Today we're, we're kicking off a new series, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make the intro really sh- as short as possible uh, because of time and also to finish on time because of different things going on today. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, I'll come back to this picture in a second, but I just want to read this text first. It's 1 Corinthians 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, and I'll read these few verses, and then, then we'll jump into uh, a couple of things. So let's, let's just read this. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, uh, first century, writing to this church in a town called Corinth. Uh, this church in Corinth, if you thought churches had problems, uh, they, had, they had more. Uh, and so uh, I love sometimes reading this letter because it's, it's, it helps us to understand that the, the church can be messy at times, uh, but God's grace and the work of his spirit uh, help us grow into what he calls us to be. And here's, here's this, these words to this church in the middle of this letter. Now about the gifts of the spirit. Brothers and sisters, I don't, I don't want you to be uninformed. Uh, You know that when you were pagans or of the culture of the world, uh, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. It's impossible. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and everyone is the same. And in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit as a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Father, we just pause one more time to say, lead us, guide us, speak to us. Help us to see just the beauty of your word this morning and what that means for us, God. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you guys are rooting for the Raptors? Yes, I'm, I'm imagining. I mean, they, they're winning, and they won game one uh, of the finals. And um, it's interesting. I mean, it's crazy how, how, how much Canadians are into this. Hockey is like taking a second seek to basketball these days. And Canadians are ecstatic. But have you seen this map on the internet that's been going around? This is the map of the United States. So everything in red is voting for the Raptors, and everything in blue is going for the Warriors. And I thought that's amazing. The U.S. loves us right now. They're just they're in love with us, and they're in love with the Raptors. Uh, one of the things I love about basketball, even though I'm not a, like a crazy sports person or, or like into sports, is, but is the, is, the, is the team style approach that basketball has and the team approach that is so necessary for the success of a basketball team and how they work together. There's a pastor in LA, his name is Erwin uh, McManus, 60 years old now, this pastor. And uh, if you look at him and talk with him, he, he talks like he's 20 or 30 years younger and, and, and in kind of that kind of shape. Uh, and even recently just came uh, off, uh, about, uh, you know, just the time fighting cancer and, uh, and came through that. And here's a 60-year-old pastor in LA. He still plays basketball two to three times a week for a couple of hours with people that are 20 to 30 years younger than him. 
And uh, maybe Sean Brown would likes to do that too. Sean loves that. Um, but two to three times a week, two hours at a time with guys that are 20 or 30 years younger than him and he's 60 years old. And apparently he was interviewed in this podcast interview uh, from a sports, Christian sports uh, person or podcast. And they, they found out this story about him that apparently when Herman McManus uh, gets into a game of three on three or four on four, his team will always win by the third game. Always. Apparently it's just known. So, and they asked him on this podcast, why, how is it that you win? Like, how is it that your team always wins? And he goes, tell me what you do. And he says, well, first thing is I never choose the players. I never choose the players. I never want to know that I won or our team won because we chose the best players. So I always take whatever players they give me. And then they, t- and I t- I'll take what's, what's left and we'll go from there. And so he, so he says, well, what are you doing? He says, well, game one, I just observe and I observe who's on my team, what are, they do, what are they doing, what are they good at, where are their weaknesses. Game two, because they always play three games in a row, game two, they start, I start to learn their strengths, I start to learn how their strengths work together, how they're fit together, and by game three, it doesn't matter who's on the other team, we always win. And I love that analogy because it, it, it's an amazing metaphor for life, Right? Amazing, amazing metaphor for life to understand what, is, what, what God has given you, uh, what are your gifts and skills, what are the people around you, but it's even a better metaphor for the church because you never really know who joins the church. We didn't know that Terry and Sue would join our church several years ago. We didn't know that Terry, when he had that funky sun hat on, you know, flipping burgers, was one day going to help us with our location team. We, we didn't know that when the first time we met Sue that, you know, she would easily draw a crowd of kids uh, on, on the grass at one of our community barbecues or, or help counsel some of our parents, even in our church community. We did not know. You never really know who joins the church. But somehow God has brought people together to win as a church community. Now, when I say win, I don't mean like a sports team. We don't, when Westside wins, we don't beat another church. If Westside wins, we're not better or cooler or bigger than another church. When a church wins, it's not about winning or beating somebody out. It's about doing or meant to do what God has called you to do locally for his purpose with your capacity, with our capacity, with our gifts, with the way God has knit us together. Winning for the church is doing what God has called us to do and being who God has called us to be with the gifts that he's given us, right? That's what it means to win, not being better or cooler than anybody else. And so for the next couple of weeks, and I'm just going to intro this today, uh, we're starting a series called Gifted because I want to explore, I want us to explore how God not only uses us, but actually gives us gifts, gives us gifts to further his kingdom, gives us gifts to work together and to encourage one another, gives us gifts to minister to each other and to the world around us. And I wanted to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because here is the Apostle Paul trying to help this church in first century Corinth discover and understand that God uses a multi- multiple people with a variety of gifts to love and serve one another and be a light to the world. And as Paul starts in verse 1, he starts by saying the gifts of the Spirit, but in fact, he actually, in the Greek, it's the original language, he backs up a bit. He actually says the things of the Spirit. He wants us to know that the, the big idea is how the Holy Spirit, God's very Spirit, works in a church community. It's not initially about the gifts, but how the Holy Spirit works. 
And then he gets to the gifts. And then he says this one line in that verse. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed because there was, there was a confusion in this church. They were misguided. Something was off in how they understood the Holy Spirit working among them and how they worked together. Something was off. And he wanted to inform them, to help them grow for, for, for their sake as a community and for the sake of others around them. And so what does he want to inform them about? Verse 4, he says this in verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts. So he introduces this idea. But the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. He's trying to help this church initially understand that the way the Holy Spirit helps a church function or leads a church or grows a church to be a community, to be on mission, to care for each other, to grow even personally with one another, is he distributes different gifts to different people. Now, I know automatically our brain goes to like a sports team or the corporate world or my team at, at work. And it's, it's, it's a little bit different than that because it's not just our natural gifts which God can use. It's not just our natural strengths which God can use. It's not just, you know, the 20-acre the lot that Terry and Sue are going to have, which is awesome. God can use that. But that's not necessarily a spiritual gift. Uh, these are great things that we have in our lives and God has wired us the way he's wired us. But gifts, in a spiritual sense, and how God works through the church is ways that God equips his people to be a community with one another and to serve one another. And something unique and beautiful happens with someone's spiritual gift that doesn't always happen the same way at work or in a sports team or uh, in, in just the way that happens. Often it's, it's, it's a manifestation of literally how the Holy Spirit works in us. And he wants to give us these gifts. Now, Paul says, as he continues, he says there's different kinds of gifts. And then he says there's different kinds of service. So the way we serve one another, is that there's a variety of ways that we can serve each other. I love how Terry and Sue put it. When there's something in, around you, well, how can you engage? Well, that's different, right? Some people might teach or help or put something together or organize or pray or come alongside someone. So we serve. We use our gifts to serve people in different ways. We use our workings. There's different kinds of workings or activities filling different needs and purposes. And Paul does something extraordinary here. Notice what he says. Yeah, there's different gifts, but the same spirit. There's different service, but the same Lord. There's different workings, but the same God. And Paul links the gifts and the service and the workings with the triune God, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The same spirit, same Holy Spirit, the same Lord, Jesus Christ, who's Lord, the same God, our Heavenly Father. It's amazing. When Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he attributes the variety of gifts to Jesus. When he writes to the Roman church, he says, he says that God, by his grace, will distribute gifts. It's amazing. It's, yes, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but I want us to understand Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit work together. And, and I want us to see this as we start to unpack this over the next few weeks. There's different gifts that are evident in the church, but the same giver. Different gifts, same giver. Different strengths, same source. And I wrote it like this on the next slide. The unity of God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the unity of God unleashes a united diversity in his people. The unity of God unleashes a united diversity among his people. I love when I get to read Acts chapter 2 and Peter you know, quotes the prophet Joel and says, your sons and daughters will see visions and dreams. Um, men and women will prophesy. 
this, it's not about gender or age or how much you have or don't have. The unity of God unleashes a united diversity among his people. So God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all involved for the church to be healthy and useful and purposeful and fruitful through a variety of spiritual gifts. I love how Gordon Fee, Gordon Fee says this, he says, the unity of God does not imply uniformity in gifts, like we're all the same. I'm not a a Terry or a Sue, and they're not you, and vice versa, and even the person beside you is different than you, and God's gifted them in different ways. The unity of God does not imply uniformity in gifts. Rather, one and the same God is responsible for the variety itself. And this is amazing, right? Because Jesus said he will build his church, and he's building it through giving the, the church gifts. And Jesus said, wait till the Holy Spirit comes on you with power. He's going to equip you for, for, for God's mission. And that happened. And it continues to happen. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring all this about. Verse 7, Paul says that to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's almost as though this is more important than just a gift that you and I might have. But it's that the Holy Spirit is actually at work in us that when someone serves, and we'll talk about discovering our gifts and growing in our gifts in the next couple of weeks, but when that happens, it's actually more than just what's happening. It's the fact that the Holy, it's a manifestation of the Spirit, that God's very Spirit is at work, that he's active among us, in you and in me, to bring about God's purposes. You know, some, some churches, and sometimes even you and some people in our church might be afraid when people talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh my gosh, are we going to become one of those Holy Spirit churches? Uh, are we going to become one of those charismatic churches or uh, like some people might say those charismaniac churches? Uh, and it's like, why do we get scared about what, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us or how he wants to work in us or what he wants to accomplish through us? The word charismatic comes from the word charis, which is the word grace, which is the same word that Paul uses to talk about how, the, how God distributes his gifts to us. It's a gift of his grace through the work of his Holy Spirit. One of my pet peeves is when I, I'm, I know I'm going to teach a topic that's sensitive. Like, you know, we talked about money a couple of weeks ago. And sometimes it's like, yeah, but what about that crazy guy I saw on TV who talks about Jesus and flies a private jet? I'm like, well, he's crazy. And he's, I don't know what Bible he's reading. But I'm not, just because you call him a label, I'm not going to say that that word, now we can't use it in all its beautiful biblical sense. Right? To be charismatic means that the Holy Spirit's active in, in the church. And, and that's just part of what it means to be the church. In fact, we would, could never even be the church without the Holy Spirit. We couldn't call Jesus Lord, Paul says, without the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And in verse 13, we won't read it today, later on, but Paul says we're all baptized into one spirit to form one body. So the spirit manifests in us. And where does he do all this? He does it in you. And he does it in me. Verse 7, now to the next slide, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This promise for everyone who follows Jesus becomes part of Christ's body, the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by his Holy Spirit. And here's Paul's focus here you are given a gift. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This was so important for Paul's church and it's important for our church. When Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, there was some issues going on that only some people, you know, did stuff or only some people were good enough or only some people were gifted. 
Or only some people's gifts seemed more important than other people's gifts. Oh, their gift is a little bit more vocal. Or I see their gift more often. And then, it, then they become kind of like the pedestal people. And Paul's like, wait, wait, wait. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To each one. I wrote it this way for us to just get it in our minds and our hearts. That a spiritual gift is this. God's way to serve the common good of God's people and purposes. We all, each one, receive spiritual gifts to serve the common good of God's people and God's purposes. Man, I loved yesterday when uh, the, the big give was going on. And I really, I was not responsible for anything. I just showed up for a little bit. And I saw people serving and doing things and their, their love for people, their encouragement gift, their organizational gift, their passion gift, their leadership gift, their gift of assistance and helps, even their gift of just being sensitive to someone and giving them a, a specific encouraging word at the moment. And I saw the body of Christ work together and I thought that's amazing how, how people are serving the common good for each other and for the world around them. So beautiful. And here's what Paul does. He lists, he, he, he writes a list. And sometimes when we have lists now, we, we kind of like, we make that list the rule and we bind everybody by that list. Paul shares a list to help that church and us understand that there's a variety of gifts. So, so here's, here's the list Paul has. To one, he's giving examples. There's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits or discernment, and to another, different kinds of tongues, and still to another, interpretation of tongues. So here's Paul. He, 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 he lays out this list, and there's different lists. We can find them in the, book, in the letter to the Ephesian church, the Roman church. Uh, uh, Peter shares a little bit of them, and here's a main one here. And these gifts, have you can put them in categories, and I'll share them in the next couple of weeks. But the purpose of this list is not to be exhaustive, is not to say, oh, do you fit in there? I don't, I don't see my, I don't have a gift of healing. Oh, I don't prophesy. I'm really bad with wisdom. Okay, I guess I don't have a gift. Like, it, the, the list is not meant to say you're in or out. The list is not to say this is the way, there's this seven ways you can serve Jesus. The seven ways you can be an impact in the world. The list is meant to say there's a diversity of gifts. The body of Christ works together. God blesses his people with gifts. The list is also, the priority of it is that it's general. It's like, look at how God works with his people and fills his people and works with his people. Gordon Fee, he says this, the list of nine items is neither carefully worked out nor exhaustive. It's merely representative of the diversity of the Spirit's manifestation. And Paul offers a considerable list so that they will stop being singular in their own emphasis. That's key. That last line, they'll stop being singular in their own emphasis. Because there was a problem with the Corinthian church. Maybe it's not a problem here, but it was a problem for them. If you keep reading to chapter 14, Paul focuses on tongues and prophecy. And there was an issue going on in this church where some people had the gift of speaking in tongues. And they made this gift like, oh man, we love this gift. We, this is an amazing gift. This gift makes us look cool and sensational. And, and that's what was happening. So there were certain people that had this gift of speaking in tongues. And we might get to that. This was just a, a supernatural way of, of praying and seeking the Lord. And I wish I had more time to go into it. I just threw it on some people right now. And they might wonder what I'm talking about. I know many of you do. But, um, but here's what was happening. There was an overemphasis on some gifts. And here's why Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be confused. Some gifts have been highlighted more than others. 
And some people have said, oh, this gift is the best gift. And this gift is the coolest gift. And this gift is the most spiritual gift. I grew up in circles that overemphasize some gifts over others. Now, Paul, what we'll get to is, I want you to be clear right now. When the scriptures correct an abuse, it doesn't disregard its use. It just corrects an abuse, Right? If we want to correct an abuse of how people, uh, you know, use money or power or whatever, correcting an abuse doesn't cancel out the use. We want to still use what God has given us. I grew up in circles that overemphasized some gifts over another. And what happened is sometimes I missed that the other gifts were present and active or valuable. But this can happen in any setting. I think if someone would, if we'd, after today's, you know, gathering, we all sit down and we, we work out together and we say, what gifts is Westside overemphasizing? What gifts is Westside ignoring? We'd probably find some. We'd probably say Westside overemphasizes these gifts and, and misses out these gifts. And, and what it means is sometimes that can happen where we only highlight, oh, leadership gifts or mercy gifts or discernment gifts, or we only highlight knowledge gifts and wisdom gifts for practicality, or we only, uh, you know, apostleship or evangelism or the miracles and the healing. Oh, yeah, we're a miracle healing church. And then that's it. And then there's nothing else or tongues of prophecy. Corinth happened to overemphasize tongues. What, is, what do we overemphasize? And by default, what do we miss out on because of that? Or what are we telling people because of that? What are we saying to each other? What do I say, maybe even as a, as a church leader, what, if I overemphasize some gifts over the others? What does that say to all of us? What are we missing out on? And so I want us to, 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 to just come to this today and as we start this together i'm going to ask our team to come up because i want to we want to wrap up our gathering today in a short time of communion but how do you start discovering your gift we'll explore more in the next few weeks but paul gives us a first kind of idea verse three and it he says that you can't even say jesus is lord without the work of the holy spirit and if the if gifts are a work of the holy spirit and and saying Jesus is Lord is a work of the Holy Spirit, then the first step in discovering our spiritual gifts is coming to the Lordship of Jesus, is saying, Holy Spirit, have, have you, am I responding to the conviction in, in my heart that Jesus is truly Lord? And many of us in our church community have said, yes, Jesus is Lord. I will follow him. I will trust him. I've come to know his forgiveness and grace. And in that, the Holy Spirit is at work in us. But let me say, if Jesus is not Lord of our lives, we're not letting the Spirit work because that's the first thing the Spirit does. The first thing the Spirit does is come and lead us to the Lordship of Christ so, so, so they can have full reign in our lives and full rule in our lives, rule in our lives. How can we receive spiritual gifts if we don't give the Holy Spirit full reign? How can we discover our spiritual gifts if we, even, if we struggle with calling Jesus Lord when that's the primary thing the Holy Spirit does in us? So I would encourage you, as, as before we start jumping into this series over the next couple of weeks, and just at the very outset, ask yourself this question. Do I respond to the Holy Spirit in my heart when he leads me to the Lordship of Jesus, to trust Jesus, to worship Jesus, to know that he's God's son, to believe in the death and burial of, and the resurrection of Jesus? That's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. Jesus said that he would lead us into all truth and he would lead us to him. That's the first step. And a simple next step is just desiring. You know, Paul later on, 
we'll look at this in another week, but he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And uh, without talking about what the greater gifts might be, if, if the desire is true, then that's a, that's a step for us. Do you desire the Holy Spirit to be at work in you and help you discern these gifts? Do you desire spiritual gifts in your life for the Lord to work in you and shape you and use you? Do you want the Lord to equip you in a spirit-empowered way for life and ministry? And so part of the foundation of all this is Jesus is Lord. The Spirit definitely leads us to the Lordship of Jesus. The next step is desire. Do I desire? And the, the, the last step is just to be careful about your heart, just like the Corinthian church, because Paul was really getting at their heart. He was telling them, be careful. Don't look down on this gift, and don't look up at this gift. So be careful of your heart. Don't look down at anyone's giftedness. Oh, man, I wish I had their gift. Don't look up, or that's look up at anybody's giftedness. Don't look down at anybody's giftedness like say, my gosh, they're, you know, they're just helping in this way. They're not really spiritual. Don't look down at anybody's gift. The Spirit distributes, the Spirit determines. And if this is true, this is, if this is true, then we need to trust that He will equip each of us for His work and His purposes because He knows best, right? He knows the capacity that's in this room. He knows the capacity that's in your life. He knows how he wants to use you. So as we pray, we'll read these three lines as a, just a, a quick summary, and I'll read them. Spiritual gifts are God's design for how the church works. The Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts. And each of you are gifted when you allow the Spirit to work in you. Amen? The gifts, the giver, and each of us are gifted. God, I pray that every single one of us would know how you see us, God. God, you spared nothing to bring us into relationship with you. And you sent your Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us and guide us. And then to gift us to empower us, to equip us, God, to be your people, to be this new community that the cross was pointing to. We say thank you. At the start of this discovery of spiritual gifts, or maybe a reminder for some of us, God, may we be reminded or discover how you long to draw us together and unite us together and use us to serve and care for one another, but how that overflows into the world around us. God, thank you for your gifts. Thank you that you are a giver and thank you that you have gifted us. And God, for some, I pray that that would start even today with calling Jesus Lord, seeing your work in them. And God, right now, as we pray for Ivan's sister, thank you for this incredible revelation of her coming to know who you are in Christ. Thank you that he was able to witness your spirit at work in that moment. And we pray for her, Lord, that she would sense um, the intimacy that, that we read in the scriptures, that her spirit can bear witness to your spirit, that she would see, just know the beauty and freedom and joy of calling you Abba Father through the work of your spirit in her. God, I pray that would overflow to others around her. In Jesus' name. God, maybe that that scenario is ringing true in our ears for some things going on in our lives, God. And so we pray for that. 
May your fullness by your spirit come into our lives. May we say welcome. We pray all this, God, in Jesus' glorious name, who we call Lord. Amen.